to do an AMA. And while we've done them via Reddit and on Discords and stuff, now that we have this this podcast, uh, figured we would try this out over here and run through some questions that some of y'all out there submitted via Instagram. If you submitted a question, thank you for doing that. And uh, yeah, Johan's in town for our 20th anniversary party that we just had over the weekend and our cafe closing. So yeah, one of the rare times that we're in the same city, we can record together. So. How are you feeling now that the cafe is officially closed after that month? There, there are a lot of feelings. I walked in today because I wasn't here for the last day of service, which was yesterday on Sunday. And I've been around it so much, it really has felt like it it felt like it became a part of our business. I don't know. It was only a month, but uh, we got into this routine. We had incredible people that were working the cafe who fit in very well with our New York team, our, our retail team. And I will miss them. That's 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 the one thing that I was really thinking about. I would, I'm going to miss the rhythm of coming in and having new people here. Um, and also just having people congregate outside on a bench. I think when people come to a retail store, sometimes they feel like they need to be here for a purpose. And that's not the case, right? Like we don't run our retail stores that way. But when you have the cafe, you can pop over and grab a drink and stay for as long as you like and not feel like you're intruding or taking up space. I hope people never feel that way anyways, but um, it gave people more of a reason to come by. Yeah, you have an excuse to sit, enjoy the music for a little while. Uh have a conversation with somebody. Yesterday on the last day of service, between four and five, there was a huge rush. Hmm. And everybody, I think, was was just getting getting their last drinks, knowing that it was about to shut down and um coming in and buying last pieces of merch and getting one last one last good coffee. Tipping heavy. They tipped heavy yesterday. So nice. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. When we were in the middle of it there were times that it felt a bit overwhelming. But now that it's done, it just feels a little quieter in here. And and I'll miss that. And I hope that we can continue to see our baristas here and there. Um, hope they pop by and say hello. Um, they were the face of our brand to a lot of new people. I mean, they were serving coffee, right? But our hours changed for that month. We were open from 9 a.m. And the cafe closed at 5. The retail shop closed at 7. So there were people in our neighborhood that never ventured in for the clothes that ended up coming in for the coffee. And they talked to our baristas and discovered what who we are and what we do through them, which is crazy. And we made some friends and they came to our weekend events. We had an event every weekend the shop was open. And they came to our closing party. Not having bought or, you know, worn any 316 yet, but still feeling a connection to to who we are and what we do. So I thought that was cool. And uh, how are you feeling about how the party went on Saturday? True to form for the month that we were open, it rained heavily. Got a lot of rain this month. <laughs> it's been insane. If you live in New York, you know exactly what I'm talking about. One weekend had historic rain. And I'm, I think we're all tired of experiencing historic things overall. Um, but I couldn't come into work that day because I was trying to bail my basement out. It was that bad. If you follow Instagram accounts like What is New York or Subway Creatures, you saw water just spilling out of in between subway tiles on a wall. And so that was annoying. Uh, overall, we've had a lot of rain 
these past four weeks. So it rained on Saturday and I really didn't know who was going to show up. And a lot of people showed up. A lot of people had a good time. I invited uh, my friend Angie, who I run with on Wednesdays at World's Fair. Her mom is a street vendor and cooks meat skewers. And so she brought her whole setup and grilled pork and chicken skewers and some corn for us. Faccia Bruto provided Nocino so we can make espresso cocktails again. We did that two weeks ago and it was a big hit. And then uh, shout out Chip at Fat Tire, always looking out for us. So there was like a lot of stuff to drink, stuff to eat, and uh, a good excuse for people to get together. In a city like New York, and I imagine this is the case in Los Angeles too, you just need an excuse to to get out of the house and socialize. And I, I just feel very fortunate that we're a place that people feel that way about. So I hope people had a good time. I hope they made some memories. We certainly did. And uh, yeah, there's still there's still a couple months left to, to close this year out. So we have uh, a lot left to do between now and, <laughs> and the end of December. Yeah, it was a good time. It was, we don't do this very often, but we flew the entire LA team out to New York for this weekend. We shut down our shop over there. We shut down our operations. And so it was fun to have a party where the entire team, both New York and LA teams were together and, and uh, getting, getting to experience and host a party together um, and spend a couple of days together in New York. So that's, that's a rare treat as well. Some people might not know that we are bi-coastal and our team is split. It used to be heavily weighted towards Los Angeles and we have more people coming on board in New York and the ratio is starting to even out a little bit, but at who, best, who would win in a street fight? <laughs> <laughs> we still got, we still got more heads on our side. You have more heads. Uh, I thought you were going to ask who would win uh, in a basketball, basketball game. game. <laughs> that, that, that's usually where I think your head's going to. Um, yeah, we only get together once a year for our annual meetings, and this was an extra treat to be able to get the entire team together a second time. I also think about how there might be some FOMO on LA's side whenever we throw parties, just like we have here when we see y'all doing stuff in LA. And so this was our first time having the entire team out for a New York party. We've been here for three years now and we've thrown some good ones and it was, it was special to have everybody here for that. That is probably the hardest, I, I think, I don't know if that's one of the questions, but people always ask us, like, what are the difficulties of um, running a business bi-coastally and, and being in two different cities as partners? I don't think there are that many uh, that many hardships, but a, a, a lesser thing is the FOMO that you get because you can't always experience everything on both coasts. So... Having a cafe in the shop for a month, that's amazing. You know, I'm sure the LA team had FOMO. They wish they could walk in and, and order a coffee whenever they wanted. You know, we have the luxury of um, really getting our hands on and seeing product right when it comes into the warehouse and getting to handle production. And that's always an exciting time when a new season arrives or new new partial shipments come in and people get to break open the boxes and see how production turned out and think about what they're going to take for themselves. Um, sample sales, although they are a lot of work, they're a lot of fun. 
Yeah, they are. I, I think it's a great way for us to be able to connect with our customers in a different way um, than we usually do retail. And it's also providing access to people who might be new to the brand and might not have had a chance to or been able to buy something. And we've seen some really positive things come out of that. And it's just a good time. I remember for many years, we used to also use it as a venue to uh, collect toiletries yeah. uh, for the unhoused on Skid Row. And we would give people an extra discount if they brought some donations. And we would give it to uh, PATH, which is an organization that we've been supporting for many years that helps uh, the unhoused get into permanent living spaces. And people would come by and they'd bring a massive sack of stuff. And maybe there was nothing for them to buy. And we're like, oh, we're so sorry. And they were like, don't be. This is great. I had a good time. I'm, I'm here with friends. And it's for a good cause. So there's a lot of cool things that can come out of sample sales, um, even though they are a lot of work. We're due for another one. We are. Soon. <laughs> Soon come. All right, let's dive into some of these questions that people sent in. Should we should we start off with some softballs? Yeah, you're 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 in the driver's seat because you got okay. them all in front of you. Okay. Um, this is a, an easy one from Fish and Derp. Fish underscore n underscore derp. Are you guys planning on adding a wide leg denim? So typically for AMAs, we try not to pick questions that are just like a yes no, because it's not very interesting. Um, so if you asked a question about a restock on a core product, <laughs> feel free to use info at 316.com and you'll get a quick and effective answer. Definitely faster than submitting a question for an AMA and waiting a few weeks for it to come out. Um, but this one is self-serving. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing them today. Um, these were rushed off the line because we needed them for a photo shoot. And the model, shout out Tyler, happened to be the same size as me, so I knew exactly what was happening to them when they were done. They are the RS. They're, they're, they're called Relax Straight, but uh, Sean from Self Edge likes to call them the Really Straight. <laughs> and if you go back and you look at the editorial that Dan shot for us with Tyler and the Big Oxford that came out, of, I don't know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, all the denim photos in that shoot are the RS gene. And... When are they coming to the warehouse? Um, they are wrapping up in the next week or so. So we'll get them on the site hopefully by the beginning of November. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this cut? I like it. I haven't tried it on myself. I've seen samples of it. Um, I For my straight leg, I wear a CS. And because I'm on the shorter side and I have a shorter inseam, uh, CS works for me and, and is pretty full. It's a pretty full, it's a straight enough leg. Whereas for some dudes that are taller than me, who uh, God blessed with height, um, CS can kind of look a little slim sometimes. So yeah, this is, it's, it's wider than CS. RS is wider than CS, will be wider than CS. It's coming out in our uh, 100X flagship denim, uh, unrinsed, and uh, I think uh, it's going to be a big hit. I think so, too. Uh, to your point, people don't often think about this, but we know this because just 
in our internal team, we have so many different body types and heights and personal senses of style. So the same gene looks so drastically different on, uh, on, on, on everybody. Mm -hmm. And there are people on our team like Sebastian, for instance, uh, and Gabe in our New York shop who are, who are very tall and the CS looks a little slim on them and they love it. It, it works well for them. And CS has been crushing in store and online, but it was, I, we just felt like it was time to add a little bit more roominess to the lineup. And there's another question. I think we can kind of roll these up together. Someone asked like, if you had to wear one cut of your jeans for, for a year, um, or maybe forever. I'm not sure. Forever is like a big commitment because I obviously wore different cuts of jeans in the past. Like CS wasn't around for seven years, so I couldn't wear that. But if you're asking me right now, I think long-term CS is the one for me. I really like these RS jeans. I'll wear them often. But CS is a really nice balance. And uh, for someone with, with heftier thighs uh, and, and legs altogether, it's a really comfortable fit that I think just works well with everything. That being said, you know, to say forever is difficult because I wore CT and when we were only making ST and SL, I definitely did not cram into ST, but I wore SL and that feels really, really slim on me now. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we just endured certain things. Didn't you wear ST for a while? You have a pair of ST Kabatas. Mm -hmm. And then we were having coffee at Verve maybe last year and you just decided to put them on and you were like, these are really uncomfortable for me. Also, another thing I realized is that the body changes over time. You might not like shift in weight, but things move around. And then it's also a, a, a facet of maybe enduring things in the past that are no longer comfortable for you. Like if you're wearing loose pants every day and then you put the jeans on, you don't want the jeans to be super constricting either. So yeah, I'm an RS. I am going to beat these up over the next year, but... Day in and day out, I think CS would be for me. This also sort of leads to uh, the question that somebody asked about um, making extended sizing. Did he or did they ask for tops or bottoms or generally um, speaking? They were just asking generally um, about adding uh, extended sizing, which I guess means going up to 3X more, going up to... 42, or 44, or even down, down to smaller sizes, extra small. I think we've we've started to do it in some styles, mm -hmm. and we do it when we can, and we do it when we think that there is a customer of ours that needs it. I think specifically of one customer in the store who tried on a crosscut last year, and he was broad-shouldered, mm -hmm. and he was probably 6'2", well-built, solid dude, and he put on 2X in, in the crosscut, and it was snug on him. Mm -hmm. And I felt really bad. I, I, don't, I don't know how he <laughs> felt in the moment. I think he probably was a little bummed because he wanted to buy the shirt, and it wasn't fitting right. And I thought to myself, the shirt should, or our shirts should fit him. And that's when we went back to the drawing board, and you know, it takes a long time for this stuff to roll out. By the time that he was trying that on, we were already going into production on spring flannels. So we couldn't add 3X then. It took until this fall where we were able to extend sizing up to 3X and cross cuts. And I think we did that because that's our best-selling shirt. There's always high demand for it every season. 
And so we thought that a 3X made sense in that style. But we also can't do it in every style until we see demand for it. Try not to be wasteful with what we make or overproduce. But about a year ago, we started branching out into extra small in some things. And those were softer, drapier, more uh, unisex styling because we have um, we have women that come into the store for themselves and want to buy the things that we make. And sometimes you can wear it oversized and it looks really good. Like our knits, you can pretty much wear any size. But like a shop jacket, um, it, it, it looks, yeah, it was just too big on some. And then there were some some guys that were thrilled to find that we had extra small in certain things. It looked great on them. So, yeah, back to what you were saying. We apply it where we think it makes sense. But to make every single thing from extra small to 3X ends up being a lot for us to stock, and we don't want to be wasteful, so we've tried to be strategic. But we want to know from you. I mean, if you're finding that we're not meeting your needs, you should reach out and let us know. That's important for us to hear. And sometimes we do hear in in, in DMs or you know, via email. But yeah, let us know. We're trying to do better. Yeah, and be, I think it helps if um, if people are specific. You know, like you, you experiencing that one dude trying on that flannel in the shop and, and seeing it versus like just a general clamor for more 3Xs or what have you. Um, I think if you email us and... You're like, hey, I really wanted this one shirt. I came into one of your shops or I ordered it. I tried it on. It should fit me, but it was just too big or too small. Um, Then we pay attention to that stuff. Um, We we haven't stayed in business this long by completely ignoring our customers. So there there are certainly challenges to changing fits of things and to adding sizes, but um, but we are we're open to learning and we're open to adjusting things where they need to be adjusted. Yeah. And as a company that makes a lot of core product that we try and keep in stock year round, and we also protect the price of it, we don't charge so much to where we can afford markdowns on it. Um, and the key to that is just charging what we think it should, you know, it should cost and, and keeping it in stock and asking our retail partners to, you know, hold it from going on sale because the margins aren't really there for it. Um, it's difficult to make adjustments because now you have an old version of something and a new version of something, and we just went through that with our T-shirts. For some of you who have been fans of our heavyweight T-shirts for a long time, there was a window of time where you really couldn't get many of them, and that was because we had talked to all of our retail par- partners and we said, sell through them. We're not going to restock them for a while because we're working on a, a rinsed version that will no longer shrink. And it took a very long time for us to get there, but we did it. And that was a result of customer feedback over a long period of time where people really loved the t-shirts, but, you know, didn't like dealing with the shrinkage on it. And then we've adjusted fit on our type three jacket. We thought that that was going to be a very difficult thing to do. And we've sold many of those jackets fitting exactly the way that they fit. But over time, we did feel like it was a little too slim and it was difficult for people to figure out their size because it was a, it was completely different from every other top that they were buying from us. We did that, and I, I think it worked out well. And yeah, overall, we, we're, we're aiming for consistency, and, and we don't want people to be like, you're a medium in this and an XL in that. 
Yeah, and the current um, shift, year-long shift, is uh, in the fleece. Right. We adjusted the zip hoodie uh, sizing over this last production run that came out a few months ago and, and then are in the process of clearing out old crew necks and pullover hoodies and we'll be adjusting the fit of those as well. And that's I think that's part of the difficulty of being a brand that's been in business for so long because you have things that have performed well and people know the way to size those garments and you don't want to confuse people by suddenly shifting the way that something fits after it's been on the market for many years. And then also, there's also the issue of having multiple fits on the market of an item that's available to sell and trying to figure out if it's if it's the old version or the new version for the customer. So it's always been a big hurdle as we try to adjust and, and improve things over time. But we'll get through it. We'll sell through what we have left of, of the crewnecks and pullovers and, and uh, launch a new and improved version. Yeah. All right, let's look at another one. Okay, here's another softball for you. What is your go-to daily fragrance? Asked by Bennett2238. I've been off fragrances. Well, I have, I have Aesop's Tacit, which I bought many years ago, and I still have a lot of it in the bottle because I don't reach for fragrances that often. Just put on some nice-smelling deodorant and be on my way. I shower, put on some deodorant, and that's pretty much it for me. How about you? Um, The last thing that I bought is from an old British brand called Penhaligons. Mm. They've been around since uh, the 1800s. The scent is called Opus 1870. What does it smell like? It's... um, As a smellsman. As a, yes, as a senseman. As one with that... Uh, Unfortunately, a very strong sense of smell. It's um, a blend of yuzu and incense. It's very Smoky nice. Smoky citrus. Yeah. It's um, light. I don't like uh, fragrances that are too heavy. I don't like wearing fragrance fragrances that are too heavy. So it's a nice, light, uh, pretty unisex um, scent. Um, so that's what I've been I've been reaching for lately. I did find some really nice smelling things recently um, because the homie Alan was in town. He owns and operates uh, Ohm Essentials in Richmond, mm -hmm. uh, who carry 316 and rep it very well. But his first business, his ver first very successful business is uh, Square Trade, which is a, a candle incense fragrance company. And he's been manufacturing our our candles and our incenses, our incense cones. And the intent always was when we, when we introduced day, which we've been doing for a while, that one is brighter. Um, there's citrus in there. There's rum. It's a bit of eucalyptus. It's like invigorating the smell. The intent was always to do night, which would be a little bit, um, smokier, heavier. Uh, and, we did a little shopping, found some references because there's this scent that I cannot get out of my head from uh, Dixon Hair Shop, mm -hmm. which is that barbershop that was really close by our old office on Allen Street. 
they had an insane candle that was based off of a like a vintage perfume and it was a little smoky and it was uh it was floral it was musky it was the best smelling candle i've ever smelled in my life and obviously because you like something you burn it all and i have no reference of it anymore so i'll smell different things and catch an element of what i thought was in there and then over time you you're not even really sure what it smelled like anymore so i'm i'm chasing that and we found a few uh samples that have I, you know purchased some samples that had different pieces of what i thought it was and he went home with it so he did a great job with day we'll see what he cooks up for our second fragrance that'll be next year or our sec- our second candle our home goods smell but i'm excited for that Okay, uh, Dr. Polly has a couple of questions that um, that are kind of connected, so we could talk about both of those. How are you all planning to appeal to Gen Z without alienating your initial millennial audience? Yo, I always get so confused with the gen- I, like I have no <laughs> idea what generation I am or what's what. So there's that. That's the first question. I think you're a really old millennial i think so also i think i missed the cutoff by a year for millennial my sons actually know all the categorizations do they yeah 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 okay the second question is how will the heritage aesthetic fit into the greater fashion landscape going forward yeah those are not completely unrelated questions yeah i think they both make a lot of sense especially if you followed along with 316 and you've seen bits and pieces of our journey. I think what's really cool about what we make, um, you may not think it's cool, you listener, <laughs> um, but I think it's cool is that we have not stayed the same as far as how we dress and what we like. There are elements of things that we've worn in the past or the way that we dressed in the past that we still really love. I've seen you wear 15, 20 year old graphic tees still. Yeah. And there are things that we've gotten into, uh, things that have changed the way garments fit, the way we want to see fabric age and break down over time. Um, and if you look at our body of work, you can see those shifts. And you and I don't dress the same, but we've, together with Wesley, been able to move 316 in a direction that is pretty. I would say authentic to what we're into in a broader sense. And I know that because there are things from every collection that you're really excited for Mm -hmm. things that I am and same goes for Wes. And so he's a lot younger than us too. Mm -hmm. And so there's a nice spread of perspectives as we work on these things. And I do feel like where we're at and the things that we're trying and the things that we're challenging ourselves with and hopefully our customers with, are you know things that we'll be able to look back on in the future and be like, yeah, that made sense for us to do uh, in the time that we did it. Yeah, this also, um, I guess this ties into a question that Brother with the Beard uh, asked okay. us to take us deeper into, or take the listener deeper into the creative process of creating looks for a new season. I don't think we've ever discussed those things in ex- explicit terms. Like, we're designing a new season. We're like, how can we appeal more to Gen Z? Um, 
I think there's a, a danger in doing that as designers. I think it's just probably not the authentic approach that we want to come from when we're creating something, anything. If you if you come from a place of just like sort of trying to track crack the code, just trying to like make one thing to sell to one person, it, it's it just comes off as so inauthentic and it's also so hard to nail. Yeah. Because we're we're designing a year plus in advance. And so many things can happen in the world from conception to getting a product to market. Mm-hmm. And if we're like, hey, let's um, let's really appeal to this one group of people, whether it's an age group or people that prescribe to a certain style of dress, who knows what they're going to be into in a year, you know? So I, I think so far over the first 20 years, we've done a good job of having our finger on the pulse enough. Right. We were having this conversation. I was having this conversation with um, Mac Barnett and John Klassen, um, two very uh, successful uh, authors and illustrators. And we were talking about ideating, dreaming up an, a new book concept and how it is similar to creating a season of clothing. Mm. And where I think the sweet spot is, if you can envision this metaphor, is your your customer base, your client base, you want to be leading them by the hand. Right. We've talked about this before yeah. without you ever having that conversation yeah. with them too. Yeah. If you're sprinting ahead of them, way ahead, there is no connection. And those are the types of brands or the types of creators or the types of uh, artists that are um, labeled as ahead of their time. Right? They may not have success when they're creating the item or when, when the item or when the products or when the art first comes out, mm-hmm. um, it's something that is appreciated, you know, after the fact or, or sometimes after they pass away. And you also don't want to be the type of creator that's from behind pushing the group forward. And those are the types of people oftentimes that make the most money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they come in and they, they sweep up, they cash, they cash out on a trend. Um, but it's never very long lasting of a career. They sort of see something and the masses have already gotten into it and they're, they're capitalizing off of that and sort of pushing the group forward. So I think that's sort of sweet spot and where, um, I think we would like to be and where we've had success being over, um, the past two decades is connected, right? but also gently trying to lead our customer base into um maybe some silhouettes that they're not super comfortable wearing yet or some patterns or some styles even mm. um and we're never we're never too avant-garde that's just not us we don't dress that way right. um it wouldn't make sense for 316 but we still want to be a little different and a little unique and not just give everybody exactly what's super super expected Wes and I were talking about this yesterday um, especially over these past three years as we've locked into new manufacturing partnerships in India in Peru and Portugal there is a temptation one that we've given into a few times to take advantage of everything that is available to us 
especially let's just take India, for example, right? There's so many processes that can be done in India that cannot be done in America or Japan or Italy. Just really hand done work, hand sewing, block printing, kantha, all kinds of stuff that we were so excited about and we still are excited about to be clear. But if we look at the breadth of what we've done and what we've seen other brands do, I mean, like being around 20 years means we've been professionally looking at clothes <laughs> through a business lens for 20 years, if not more. And we've seen brands chase stuff and we've seen brands come and go. Um, we are nowhere near uh, a big company but we've grown at a healthy pace. And one thing that we're actually focusing on right now, I don't know if this is okay to, I guess this is okay to put out there. Maybe you can, you know, keep an eye out for it and see if it's working or not. This is for the patrons only. This is, that's <laughs> are we behind this? the paywall? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think what we've been trying to do, especially as we look at Fall Winter 24 right now, is to make use of techniques and approaches that are in line with where we think the brand is at right now. And what I mean by that is we don't have to take advantage of everything all the time. Especially since um, manufacturing in India has grown in prominence so much over the past few years. And brands have made use of all of this incredible handcraft that is available. And it's getting introduced to, you know, new young customers. We're excited as designers. You're excited as customers. It's really cool. But we've been trying harder to look at the context of the collection altogether and pick what makes sense to go into it. And yeah, the brands that we're looking at haven't, that we're looking at, you know, with admiration as, as you know, 20 is great. You know, what, what does it look like as a 30 year old brand? They don't make big waves. They have things about them that people know them for. It could be a specific silhouette that as soon as you look at the garment, you know, it could be the way that they use certain textiles over and over again. Um, there's this like beauty and repetition. And so we've been thinking about that, just what silhouettes are us and what design details are us? What kind of consistency can we provide year in and year out while trying new things, you know, experimenting here and there within reason, and then consciously limiting ourselves from doing too much at once. Did we even begin to answer those questions? Uh, well, you were talking about fall into 24, but someone also asked, um, run towards fear asked if we could provide a little sneak peek of what spring summer 24 holds and some of the inspiration behind it. Okay. Spring summer 24 does not have a direct line of reference in the way that Fall Winter 23 did. We didn't really heavily put it out there, but our starting off point for Fall Winter 23 was a visit to the Noguchi Museum, museum the Noguchi Museum in Astoria, and looking at specifically his stonework, um, his marble and alabaster carvings, and trying to incorporate those colors and those textures and those ideas into the line. And that was a lot of fun. Spring-Summer 24 was a lot looser 
and has stuff in there that we've just always wanted to make. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of Wesley saying, hey, you know those pants you have? <laughs> you know? Um, or what if we made this version of a thing that I, I've bought? Um, and I'm, I'm not going to give too much away because we still have to shoot it. Um, but there's a lot of personal pieces in that collection. One of them is um, a more military looking version of uh, your dad's shirt. Which one? The uh, the indigo. Um, oh, 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 oh. The one with the monkey knots. Monkey. That's what they're called? Some people call them that monkey fist knots. Some people call it, there's like a there's like a tr traditional Chinese term for it. But what Andrew's referring to is um what you would maybe see on a a kung fu shirt, which is um a knotted ball and loop and loop uh closure system. Short standing collar, mm -hmm. but then we turned it a little bit into a a bit of a work jacket too. Um, I think it was. Uh, it was in we were in DC last year at a museum and there was a chef's coat somebody famous's chef's coat mm -hmm. was in a museum and it was deep blue almost indigo looking and it had those toggles and it had gigantic rectangular pockets on the bottom for you to toss things into and so there's a little bit of your jacket in there there's a little bit of that chef's coat in there mm -hmm. and then we made it in a super sturdy milserp olive fabric from japan so there's that and then we that same that's an unexpected silhouette and then there's an expected silhouette that we just haven't done before which is a really baggy pair of you know cargo pants mm -hmm. with a few modifications to make them wearable all the vintage ones that i have um fit a little crazy in the waist because the idea back then was for them to fit as many people as possible there are just so few sizes that they offer so they're very full in the leg, and then we have hidden elastic. Uh, it's not hidden, but it's it's only on the wearer's left and right hip. So it doesn't go all the way around. It doesn't look like kid pants, um, but it provides that kind of comfort and functionality. And then they're belt loops, so you can hide the elastic and put a belt over it. As a denim company, I didn't know how people would receive uh, our use of elastic and waists. Mm -hmm. And ever since we launched uh, our first tensile drawstring pants in spring, summer 21, people have taken to them really well. That's yeah. allowed us to do the easy pant as well. And so, yeah, selective use of elastic here and there to, uh, you know, allow us to play with silhouette and fit and allow them to, you know, that way you can actually legitimately buy two different sizes. Mm -hmm. If you want it to be a little more on the slimmer side, you can take the size down. Mm -hmm. It will stretch out if you want to uh, size it accordingly. So a couple of things there. Another thing that I personally selfishly am very excited about uh, is the introduction of some, uh, like an active collection or an active capsule. Again, not really something that you would expect from a, a denim brand, uh, but Wes and I started running a year and a half ago and we have been really fixated on the clothes that we have to buy and wear for that purpose and have also been looking at like what is it what what could it look like if uh the clothes could serve multi-purpose you know could could serve many purposes because if you've got like a short 
a pair of shorts with compression underneath. You're wearing it to run, but then you're not really doing anything else in it. And we thought maybe we could test the waters and make some things that we could work out or run in and also style out really seamlessly with the rest of the collection. So it's small, but it's been wear tested. We made some tester shorts for my run crew. And one of them ran a 305 in Berlin, which is insane. <laughs> um, what's up, Will? Um, and he sent a long list of feedback. And it's really good feedback, but I legitimately did not think anyone would go out and rip a marathon in them. And he did. So you can do that, and you can also wear them out to breakfast. And I don't know. I think that's a fun... In the position that we're in right now, we can take chances on small things. Yeah. And we will continue to make the things that people love from us, and that is not going anywhere. But when we're excited about things and we think that it can fit into the world that you know, hopefully we're putting together, it's been fun to, to try that out. And look, we hosted a few community runs out of the New York store this past summer, and it wasn't just running people that came out that I knew. It were people that were customers of ours that also run. And I think that this is going to be for them. It's going to be if you're into clothes and you like our perspective and you want to wear something from a brand that you like. Not trying to, it's not going to be teched out in the way that a pair of Nike shorts will be. And it's not meant to be. It will serve many purposes and you can wear them in different ways. And I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited for it though. Let's, uh, let's wrap this podcast up, this episode up with um, just talking about some of the things that are coming in this last quarter of the year. We still have, this is the busiest time of year for us. Um, I think we're both very tired crawling towards the finish line, but we still have. It's a good tired, but it's still tired. Yes. Yeah. A couple of months of uh, lots of product and lots of events and, and lots of things still to come. So let's talk about some of that stuff. Yeah. We're still not done with fall winter. Uh, we have a few more releases to come. Um, also, a few things that are exclusive in-store releases. Usually, these are going to be more high-hand work things uh, that we don't want to make in in a bigger scale. Um, sometimes, we do these things also in small runs for the store so that we can gauge customer reaction. They're like our first run of RS that will be coming out in a few weeks. We always generally do a new gene in-store and online first. And then if we get some good feedback and we need to make some tweaks, we do that and then roll it out to wholesale accounts afterwards once we've had a chance to figure things out, see if there's anything we want to improve. So there's that. But we have a few more 20th anniversary collaborations and in-store events that are coming up. And the first one is going to be, well, by the time this comes out, it'll be happening i think is with our good friend thomas hooper you want to talk a little bit about thomas yeah thomas is a great friend of the brand someone that we've known for a very long time uh he we you and i are both very fortunate to have been tattooed by him a lot um as well as a couple of other members of the team and um yeah he's um, an amazing, influential tattoo artist, but also a fine artist. 
Um, I have a painting of his in my home and we've, we've done many projects together over the years. So, um, we're very excited, um, about the vest that's coming out. Yeah. We have a really beautiful work vest that actually it was, it was his idea. This garment is his idea. He works in, uh, a lined Carhartt vest. And he asked if we could make a version of that with a similar hardy fabric. Uh, ours has a Sherpa lining, like a, a fleece, a fleece lining, a, a high pile fleece lining. It's garment dyed black with a heavy stone wash to make it look like you've had it for a long time. And on the back is one of his trademark geometric shapes um, that we worked with our factory in India to get hand embroidered and the texture is insane. I think when we showed him the example of what it was going to look like, he lost it. <laughs> he, he really, really loved it. There's some interior pockets that are designed specifically for him, but uh, also for <laughs> anyone else, there's a place to put his pen where he really likes it to be. So you too can grab your pen from the same location as him like moleskin journal pockets, sketchbook pockets, whatever, bologna sandwich pockets. <laughs> um, and one of them is silk screened with uh, a repeating version of that, of that uh, shape on the back into a pattern. And the other one's a blank natural canvas. You can do what you want with it. You can draw on it, you can doodle on it, whatever. Um, as you mentioned, we've been working with them for a while now. Our first collaboration might've been at, at our 10 year, right? Did we work with him prior to that? This bandana that we have yep. uh, right next to Wes's desk in the office. Yep, that one and a pair of black jeans. A pair of black jeans with a, a pattern printed on the pocket bags and laser engraved into the leather patch. They were SL220X jeans. They were special edition SL220X jeans because that were, those were the jeans that he tattooed in all the time. Mm -hmm. And they were basically... A, a customized version of what he liked to wear every day. Coincidentally, I found mine this morning, and I and I tied it around Isla's neck, my dog. The, um, so, oh, that yeah, bandana. So she's she's wearing it today. Nice. Um, so that's coming up, and then shortly after that, we have a project with Andrew Watch. Oh yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. He is a painter and illustrator from Toronto. We were introduced him introduced to him by Yaron, who runs a really cool project called The Jaunt. If you've never seen it before, go check it out. Thejaunt.net. I hope I didn't mess that up. Um, he basically partners with artists to send them on tour. Uh, on sorry, not on tours. He's, he partners with artists to send them on trips, week-long trips for inspiration. He pays for it, and then he sells 100 prints of some piece of artwork that the artist will make based off of the trip and there's no money in it for him. He takes that money from the print sales and uses that to pay for, for the trip. And so we've worked with two artists already um, in the past, Scott Albrecht and Laura Berger through your own. And he introduced us to Andrew a while ago. We never got around to working together. We're doing it now. And you've already seen bits and pieces of what the artwork is. Um, if you've been, Seeing these cool paintings on our feed, we've been posting them up here and there. 
they're just little artifacts of our history. And we worked together with Andrew to choose meaningful items and icons and, you know, bits and pieces of the past 20 years and asked him to paint them his way. And they will kind of all come together into that final piece of artwork that, you know, will be on display and, and for sale later this fall. You want something from him, right? I purchased um, a print from Hashimoto Contemporary um, probably two years ago. And uh, it's, yeah, it's hanging in our kitchen and I look at it every day and enjoy it every day. Yeah, he's done a bunch of different things, uh, different types of artwork, but I think that was the the one that we were drawn to and that approach, just like artifacts is what I keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And the one that you have are just things that he was thinking about or meant something to him. And they seem quite random, but when you look at it, you and I are like, oh, those are the things that we're into. Yeah. Um, and so for those of you who will be seeing this print, you know, he'll be coming to New York as well uh, in the beginning of November. And all the originals will be framed and on display, available for purchase. And then there'll be the unified piece uh, in print form that you can purchase. And you get to meet him, say what's up to him. Um, so those are... To in-stores, we have collaborations. For those of you who've been asking, right before we started recording, I was on the phone with uh, our production, the production manager at SHOT, Don King, um, to find out about what's going on with our collaboration with them. So, yes, there is a SHOT leather jacket that is coming out this year. That was one of the questions. It was. I know yeah. it was. Um, there is. Um, it's really good. I think when we saw the sample, we were floored. Should you, do you want to talk a little bit about what's incoming? Yeah, the, I mean, the plan um, that we dreamt up last year was to develop a leather with Horween um, that would be uh, the official 20-year commemorative leather um, and use it um, in a couple of different applications throughout the year. And... Um, it's all kind of coming out towards this the, this latter last quarter of the year, but um, one of those will be on the shot jacket. Um, another one will be on a pair of mules. Right, that's coming out. Um, the third one is going to be um, as bases as the bottoms of a line of bags that we're doing with dispatch our friends at dispatch uh rich and the team over there um we're doing a new um silhouette for them in a backpack um as well as a shoulder bag and a little pouch that will be a really nice um canvas upper um with this horse leather as the base it's a really um simple sort of classic backpack silhouette but it feels super super luxe i've been traveling with the sample and i really i really really like it yeah so those are the three things that the custom horse tannage that horween worked on for us will be showing up in we have a i don't know what it's called i think it's the campus jacket with dn we teased it oh yeah in in the lookbook so you've seen it already 
Um, we love this jacket. It's a new silhouette. Uh, we, we worked with them last year on a more traditional varsity. This one is a collared all wool jacket. Uh, the wool is where it really shines. It is Maloyan Sun's tweed. It is a beautiful deep green with flecks of color in there. Um, and felt applique branding on the chest. There's a lot less branding on this one or a lot less going on than, than the last one. So we, we've made two very different jackets with Dehan, but they've been fantastic to work with. Uh, you're talking about, talking with, uh, I think Keaton, one of our baristas about Crescent Downworks being one of the last, um, remaining down jacket manufacturers in America. And I mean, Dehan is, you can, is one of maybe five or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, that are making that style of varsity jacket, um, amongst many other things. Um, and in Portland, Oregon, the team there are great. We're excited for that. And I guess uh, Crescent is another one, huh? Crescent, we're, we're running back. Um, I think we took a break last year, so we're running back. Um, the jackets that we make with them um, using vintage uh, military fabrics. These are old sleeping bag covers that are washed and then cut and paneled and turned into uh, downfield jackets. So we're going to bring back um, the vest. I think this is going to be our third time doing the vest. Um, that's always very, very popular and sells out very quickly. Still don't have one. This this might be your last chance. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do it again after this. Um, and then the other jacket is uh, the are we doing the pullover or is it the button front hooded button front it's the hooded same zipper. silhouette as the aviator satin one that we Got just it. that we did last year so it's I a full they, zip i think they call it the the, the names are a little confusing i'm not gonna zip, lie zippered zip sweatshirt or something so it's like a that? zip front yes. hooded yes. jacket Correct. yeah yeah with arms <laughs> yes um so hooded vest would be kind of sick that would be <laughs> Ooh. Okay, now we have an, an yeah. idea for next year. Um, this is how it happens. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's coming out for our 20th before the year is up is a special project with Kia and Demetra and the team at Self Edge. Yeah, this will be, as far as I remember, the first time we're ever going to do a garment-dyed selvage jean. Have we done right. this before? No. Yeah, this, is a, this will be the first time. So Kia chose... Um, uh, three different colors. We sort of did a sort of marbled, um, washed out treatment to the colors and have applied them to a number of different garments. I think there's five or six styles in total. And one of those will be a natural uh, selvage denim that will get garment dyed to a really cool, we're calling it warm moss. It's a, it's really good. An olive, sort of marbly olive um, color. Um, so that's really exciting. And that, that will be a capsule collection that will be available at all the self-edge stores and our stores. Yeah. We worked with him before on the Arco Iris collection and garment dyed a bunch of tops and two pairs of, oh wait, um, we over dyed jeans. Over dyed. Yes. We over dyed. Yes. We over dyed. We've done over dyed black before mm -hmm. for sure. Um, we've done over dyed colors over 
indigo denim, darker denim. But this will be the first time that we're garment dyeing like a like a white natural color into the color. Right. It looks yeah. different. It, yeah. it takes differently. You've been hands on with that development with them. I've seen from afar, but I am super hyped on them. I think they look great. Yeah, that's that's uh, exciting. And it'll be I think it'll be it'll be a gene that uh Johnsman will be like really excited about but also people who don't normally wear jeans like more fashion guys more like we're getting at self edge especially we're getting um a different sort of customer that are coming in for Devoa or coming in for Rick and um I think that'll be a a, a pant that really appeals to them. Key and Dimitra came to town for our party and we tried desperately to get him to record with us and re- he refused. So uh Kia, come on the pod. Yeah, if you want to hear Kia on a pod, DM him. <laughs> <laughs> Comment on every self-edge IG post that Kia needs to come on the pod. <laughs> so excited for that one. Also excited for good art. I you know, I don't I don't know how much we can really talk about this because you and I have to make a decision on something right now after we hit stop on this record. Yeah. Uh, but there are options that we have to choose from and it's really hard to choose from those options because we went to Josh with some ideas and then he cooked up new ideas and brought them back to us. And that's just typically how he operates. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, sparked a a fire inside of him and, and, uh, he blazed it up. So (laughs) we'll, uh, we, we, we do, we have a, uh, it'll be a capsule of products also with good art and, um, That'll come out before the end of the year, and that's, um, it's also very exciting, and and I think a lot of you will, will take kindly to it. Yeah, it's uh, LA inspired. It, we we were, the spark came from some of our LA team and and the things that they wear, and we wanted to make a a good art approach to that. So that's all we can say for now, but we'll be out before the year is done. Um. Yeah, is that everything? I think that's everything. There All are the things that are stuff. there are things that are happening in the beginning of 2024 that I'm trying not to mix up. Yeah. Um there's one right in front of you that I'm super no, stoked on. No, we can't we can't talk no, about No, there's no that. way we can talk yeah. about it, but that one is a good one. Um there's a lot of stuff that we're really excited for for next year. But there's still a lot of good stuff for this year. We'll save it for uh another podcast episode. Yeah. Um any last thoughts from you as we as you pack it up and head back to LA? No, I we have so many web orders to pack tomorrow. <laughs> I was I was trying to get through some customer service emails today. There's so much to get back to, but um yeah, like you said, tired, exhausted, but a a good exhausted. And um it's it's always interesting. This whole year's been in- interesting, but you know, like having a having a party here in New York and having everybody congratulate you. And I always liken it to um, when athletes are getting towards the end of their careers, um, but they're still in the middle of it and they're still trying to c- compete and people, maybe they, they hit a big milestone or they break a record or something. And, and at the press or the media is trying to ask them like what it means in the bigger context and have they had time to reflect. And, and the truth is, um, no, like I, I haven't taken the time to, to reflect, um, because we're still in the middle of it. Right. You know, there's, there's no time to step back and take a really wide view of everything that's happened. 
um, because we're just trying to solve the problem that's ahead of us and, and our nose is still in it, you know, we're still in that grind. So, um, yeah, people are, are very, have been very kind to us this weekend, especially, and sent us flowers and gifts and congratulated us. And it's sort of been a year long thing. Um, and, um, you're very thankful. You're very appreciative of the kind words, but I think it'll take some time for it to really set in and dawn on me, at least how, what, it, what it means. It's still like, I mean, 20 years, it's just an, it, it's just a number. It's, um, it's not really about the past 20 years now. It's about the next six months, you know, it's about what's ahead of us and what we're able to continue to do. Yeah. And, I say that I hope I say this with humility, but we didn't stumble into the twentieth year. A lot of good things have happened, and there are a lot of things that we're excited about in the months and in the year to come. So that is something that I'm thankful for. We're not like entering year twenty with a whimper, but there's a lot to do. Um, I'm definitely more tired at the end of this year than I am than I was at the beginning. I think we challenged ourselves in many different ways. We've definitely released more product than we ever have before without realizing how much work it would be to not only bring it to market, get it out there, present it in a way that we were happy with, but also pack and ship it out and make sure that it gets into customers' hands uh, in a way that is meaningful. I think all of us have um, stretched ourselves. But what I'm excited about is that we were able to do it and the results were good. Um, I also haven't had time to reflect. I'm thankful for people who express their, you know, their congratulations to us. And I just, <laughs> just like smiled and was like, thank you so much. Yeah. But I really, <laughs> I was like, the garbage is overflowing right now. <laughs> Let yeah. me get to that real quick. Yeah. Um, but I am thankful. And yeah, I posted in our Slack that evening, uh, a message to our team. Um, letting them know that we could not do it without them and that for however long uh, this goes, that that I'm excited to have them, you know, alongside us as we, we try to do this. And then uh, I posted a picture of uh, of Kobe Bryant, which I, I, you know, noted Lakers hater over here um, <laughs> uh, from from the presser where he said job's not finished. That sat, sat well with a couple of LA guys, though. They were into yes. that. They were they were ready to run through a brick wall after that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, signing off. Yeah, thank you for tuning in again, and uh, have a safe flight back. Thank you, and I'll see you soon. Peace, everyone. Bye.